came to see Mary. She was doing laundry, and then the angel just appeared, and she was really scared. So Gabriel was like, Mary, you're going to have, like, I can't, I can't say good. Mary, you're going to have a baby. I, you're going to have a baby, and you will call him Jesus. And then Mary was like, I'm not going to have a baby yet. I'm only a teenager. I'm not married. Then the angel Gabriel told Joseph that Mary is not lying. She, you are having a new baby. And so they met up. They went to Bethlehem, which was Joseph's old town. They ride a donkey. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. A camel. Oh yeah, a camel. She said, this donkey's fast. They tried to go to a hotel and they asked the keeper um, for a place to stay. The keeper said, we have no rooms, literally no rooms. So Mary and Joseph walked away sadly, but then he said, the only place in here in Bethlehem that, that you can stay, stay is a staple. And then he just pointed the way and they followed. When the shepherds were taking care of the sheep, and then they saw angels. The angels said, a new baby is getting born, who is king of the Jews. The angel were singing. Glorious. And then the shepherds said, I think we should go there and meet him. The second, I think, said, yeah, I agree with you. And the other said, yeah, me too. They had to walk through a bunch of grass and bushes, maybe have to camp out a night. And then the wise men heard about it. And then a star appeared. Well, we should probably follow that star. It's pointing down to the barn. So maybe we should follow it. Maybe. So the wise men went to Jesus. They gave them gifts. A stuffed animal, like a hippo one, that I have at home. Some diapers, and some wipes, and some milk, some shoes, some Jordans. Gold ring and Latimer. And I don't know how I would survive in that barn. Too stinky, too crowded, and ugh. I think he probably pooped because the room was very smelly. Thank you for coming. He's adorable. He's gonna be our best friend. I love you, and you're the best baby I ever seen. There, I said it. <laughs> the new baby is gonna change the world. Is that the best or what? I just like that. And we could go home now, right? That's uh, the Christmas story. Um, Merry Christmas. And I gotta say, for some of you, um, God's really working because you're not sitting where you usually do. Uh, you're all mech, mixed up, messed up in a different place. That's very, very cool. Did you have a good Christmas Eve? Yeah. We, we had uh, three great services last night. Just a really, really good time. And uh, hopefully you had some time with family this morning. You're going to have more time this afternoon. Uh, you know, the, the theme of my message last night was calm in the crazy. And... Um, over the last 72 hours, God has really dealt with me on that because Friday I'm, I'm finishing stuff up for this weekend 
And about 11.30, I got a call from one of the neighbors of my uh, mom and dad, where I grew up in, uh, on the northwest side of Dayton. And the neighbor said, uh, you doing okay? And I said, yeah, Merry Christmas. And he said, um, there's water running out of the back of your dad's house. And I said, water running out of the back of my dad's house. And he said, yeah, the back wall is wet. The wheel well is full of water. Um, and it doesn't look good. And so uh, for about the next five hours, I did um, crisis management. And basically what happened was two pipes in the upstairs of my dad's house um, froze last weekend when it was so cold and burst and water's been running through the house for, um, for five days. So the whole calm in the crazy thing has been very um, relevant, tangible, personal to me to say, you know, can you, can you experience this sense of calm in the crazy? Uh, Friday night, or Saturday morning, I woke up and I got a text from Amy Beltran, um, who's our missions resident that's been working um, just in such an incredible way to build relationships with people at the Rotunda Trailer Park. And uh, she sent me a, a text um, Saturday morning that said one of the trailers at Rotunda burn up Friday night and um, family lost everything. We're working with, uh, with Teresa, with the manager there at Rotunda to, to just try and figure out how we can help this family. Amy was able to, to go and to buy stuff just so that they had a little bit for Christmas. And, and she said the thing that they wanted more than anything was pajamas, um, just pajamas. And uh, she was able to do that, which is incredibly cool. You know, that, that whole concept of, of can, you have, can you experience calm in the midst of the craziness of all the stuff going on, all the stuff that happens in life, it's really about perspective, right? Uh, the, the bottom line is nobody was in mom and dad's house and it's going to be a mess and it's a mess to clean up and all that stuff, but nobody's hurt. Um, it, it's just a, a house, a structure. And, and the family at Rotunda was all together. They weren't in the trailer when it happened. And they're all safe. They lost their stuff, but they're together. And I think that there's something that, that's just so powerful for us. When we, um, when, when at Christmas time especially, we can kind of see past all of the stuff, all of the extraneous stuff, all the presents, all the wrapping. I don't know what it's like at your house, but at our house, the presents are already unwrapped. You know, we've already got the bag with all of the wrapping paper and the boxes and all that. That's all done. And if we can see past all that stuff and recognize that God came to earth for us, that's pretty incredible. Um, We've, we've been in this series here at North Point. If, if, you're, if you're here maybe as a guest, you, you look around and say, that's really weird that they have pictures of families, pictures of people on the walls around. It's because we've been in this series called Glimpses of the Gospel. And, and in that series, in that series, Glimpses of the Gospel, we've said, uh, we started with this idea that to help everybody understand that the gospel, the gospel is the reconciling power of Jesus Christ both now and in eternity. That Jesus came to earth to draw us back to God. The gospel is the reconciling power of Jesus, both for now and eternity. I, I love what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 1 when he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God to salvation, the Jew first and also to the Greek. 
I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God to salvation. What? What an incredible concept. Jesus came so that we can be reconciled with God. Um, in that series, we've talked about uh, how we can see glimpses of the gospel all, all around us. That marriage is a glimpse of the gospel. In a, in a good marriage, right, um, there's this model of intimacy that, that the couple has that models for us, that helps us see just in a glimpse what our relationship with God should be like. That in marriage, there's this picture of submission, this picture of sacrifice that describes our relationship with God. That in marriage, there's this ongoing process of forgiveness and unconditional love. A love that can look past the flaws of the person that you're married to. If you think about that, that's a crazy concept, isn't it? Because we all have flaws. Any, everybody agree with that? We all have flaws. And if you're married, there's someone that knows those flaws probably as good as you do or better and still loves you. They're able to look past those flaws. And that's a picture of God's love for us. It's a glimpse of the gospel. If you're married, let your marriage show the world the reconciling power of Jesus. We talked about parenting, that in parenting, parenting is a glimpse of the gospel, that, that as moms and dads relate to their kids, that there's this picture of who God is, how God relates to us. Um, one of the things that I think I learned when our kids were little that was frightening was um, our children are a mirror, an, a magnifying glass of our strengths and weaknesses, right? Our, our children show us um, in an amplified way both our good and our bad, and sometimes that's really painful. And yet, um, we still love them. We love them in spite of, of what we see in them. We, we love them in spite of their behavior. And that's a picture of how God loves us. We, in turn, show our children a picture of who God is as we love them, as we um, are, uh, take care of them, as we commit to them, as we um, invest in them, as, as we uh, are fair with them. We show them who God is as well. If you're a parent, man, make your parenting a glimpse of the gospel. Last week, Jake talked about singleness, that singleness is a, is a picture of the gospel. Singleness is a glimpse of the gospel, that there's a sense of wholeness and completeness that comes in being single. Uh, a sense of wholeness and completeness that comes from Jesus. That when we're in Him, we don't need anything else. And that that singleness provides a freedom that allows us to respond to the needs of people at a mo moment's notice. We talked in our, in our life group this past week about, about that concept of singleness, that, um, that there's a reminder for all of us that there's this hole in our heart that can't be filled with stuff or jobs or um, money or a spouse, that only God can fill that. And singleness is a picture of that. It's a glimpse of the gospel. If you're single, make that so. Now, I know it's Christmas and you may be thinking, you know what, I've not been a very good parent. I'm not in a very good marriage. Um, I don't really like being single. No matter what your circumstances are, there's still a glimpse of the gospel in your life. When we give gifts to family members who have hurt us in the past, who may have distanced themselves from us, 
we demonstrate a glimpse of the gospel, when we forgive our spouse for the hurt that they cause or the disappointment that they create, the reconciling power of Jesus shines through. When we respond with kindness to hurt, we glimpse the gospel. When our kids irritate us, when they um, wear you out, when their questions go on and on, and we respond with patience, maybe we respond wrongly, but come back and ask for forgiveness. Uh, we pull those kids in and sit them on our laps and read to them, take them out for a hot fudge Sunday. They see a glimpse, a glimmer of the gospel, of the reconciling power of Jesus, the goodness and forgiveness of God. I don't know if you've recognized it or not, but the entire Old Testament, all of Scripture, all of the Old Testament is a glimpse of the gospel. It's a glance from a distance of what God had in mind. The promise in the garden that God made after Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve had sinned, and God said, you know what? Satan's head is going to be crushed. It was a glimpse of the gospel that would come through Jesus. When you think forward and you think about Abraham, him sacrificing, him, take, him, him taking his son Isaac, putting him on the altar and ready to take his life. That black and white picture that's there in our mind is in high def for us in Jesus. Because Jesus in the same place gave his life up for us, sacrificed for us. When Jesus was born, the glimpse of the gospel became glory. That's the thought I want you to leave with today. When Jesus was born, the glimpse of the gospel became glory. Jesus came at what seemed like an imperfect time to an imperfect place, to imperfect people, and yet it was perfect. It's amazing how that word, that concept glory is woven through the Christmas story. In Luke 2, it says, in the same region, there were uh, outside of Bethlehem, after uh, Jesus had been born to Mary and Joseph, it says, in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with fear. The angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Verse 13, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he's pleased. This concept of glory, that, that when Jesus came, it was no longer a glimpse of the gospel, it was the glory of the gospel. As you continue to read through Luke 2, about 40 days after Jesus was born, Mary and Joseph took the baby Jesus to Jerusalem, to the temple, to, to um, dedicate him and to, to offer a sacrifice uh, for his birth and, and so that Mary would be clean again. Luke 2, verse 25 says this, There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ, the Messiah. He, he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, Simeon took him in his arms and blessed God and said, 
Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you've prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for your glory to the people Israel. In that moment, there was captured this sense with Simeon that he recognized that he was ready to die because he'd seen the Messiah, had seen the hope of the world. The glory of the gospel is that Jesus came for each of us. Did you notice that, that Simeon recognized as he held the baby Jesus that the, that the baby was a light of revelation to the Gentiles as well as for the glory of Israel? Did you notice that the angel said to the shepherds, Fear not, for behold, I bring you t good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people, not just the Jews. The glory of the gospel is that a Savior came to redeem all of man, not just God's people. He came for the pagans. He came for the uneducated. He came for the immigrants. He came for those who were far from Him. That's glorious. You know, it's easy for us, I mentioned this yesterday, it's easy for us to kind of sanitize the birth of Jesus. We imagine in our minds that the setting must have been beautiful, even in its, even in its simplicity. And I think it was beautiful because of the glory of God. When the glory came, the smell of the animals became kind of a distant memory. When the glory came, the fact that they were far from home and in a stable didn't matter so much. When the glory came, it didn't matter what other people thought about Mary's pre-marriage pregnancy. When the glory came, the glimpse that created all kinds of what-ifs was replaced with wonder and amazement. The glory of the gospel is the opportunity that we have to be reconciled to God here, now, because of the baby born in the manger. The glory of the gospel is that evil will not triumph. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow was a famous American poet in the middle of the 19th century. In 1861, his wife was in a fire and was burned and died. Two years later, in March of 1863, his son, Charles, enlisted in the Union Army without permission from his father. Longfellow was informed by a letter that Charles had left for him after he had enlisted. Charles wrote, I've tried hard to resist the temptation of going without your leave. I cannot any longer, he wrote. I feel like it's my duty to do what I can for my country, and I would willingly lay down my life for it if it would be of any good. Charles went through his training and he excelled. He eventually was uh, commissioned as a second lieutenant in the 1st Massachusetts Cavalry Unit in time for him to take place in the Battle of Chancellorsville. He contracted typhoid fever and, and missed the Battle of Gettysburg, but he returned to duty that fall of 1863. While at dinner on December 1st of that year, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow received a telegram. Charles had been severely wounded in a battle in Virginia. A bullet had entered Charles' left shoulder, passing through his back and clipping his spine before exiting under the right shoulder blade. The elder Longfellow immediately set out for Washington from Boston, arriving in two days. According to the poet, the army surgeon who came with the wounded alarmed me by saying that his, 
by saying that his duty to himself and to me required him to say that the wound was very serious and paralysis might ensue. Though Charles eventually recovered, his military career was over. In summarizing the ordeal to a friend, Henry Longfellow wrote, I have been through a great deal of trouble and anxiety. On Christmas Day, 1863, only a month after his son was wounded in battle, Longfellow wrote a poem that we still know and that we still sing today. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And thought how as the days had come, the belfries of all Christendom had rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Till ringing, singing on its way, the world revolved from night to day, a voice, a chime, a chant sublime of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then from each black accursed mouth, the cannon thundered in the south, and with the sound, the carols drowned of peace on earth, goodwill to men. It was as if an earthquake rent the hearthstones of a continent and made forlorn the households born of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep God is not dead, nor does he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth, goodwill to men. The glory of the gospel is that God is not dead, that he does not sleep, that wrong shall fail and right will prevail because of the baby born in Bethlehem because of the man who lived a sinless life and went to the cross for us. The glory of the gospel is that there is hope, hope for us today, hope for our lives on earth, hope for eternity. We see glimpses today. We experience a bit of the glory today. But we look with hope to eternity when it will no longer be a glimpse, but it will be the real thing. Here's what I'd like for us to do this morning on Christmas. As, as uh, yeah, go ahead and clap for God. It's all about Him. That's cool. Um, ushers, go ahead and come down. I, here's, here's what I'd like for us to do. It's Christmas Day. You know, church, uh, we don't have a chance to worship very much on Christmas. I've asked the ushers to come down and just distribute a card to each of us. And what I'd like for us to do as we finish the service is for you to take a pen out of the pew in front of you and to just take a few moments now and to contemplate what you can give to Jesus for his birthday. We give gifts to each other. That's something that happens all the time. It happens at work. It happens in our families. And we recognize that Christmas is about the birth of Jesus. But not very often do we think, what is it that I can give to Jesus for his birthday. It, it, may be, it may be that there is some part of your life 
that you've held on to. That you've said, yeah, God's in control of all this, but you know what? This one area, it, I'm, it's really mine. It may, maybe it's your intellect. Maybe you, you think, yeah, God loves me. I know he loves me, but, but I'm awfully, awfully smart. And I'm smart because I invested in school. I did all that stuff. Maybe you want to give him your mind today. Maybe, maybe you have some skill, some ability, some talent that you've held on to and you think, you know what, that's something that is, it's mine. Maybe it's a habit or an addiction, something that you just can't let go of. Maybe it's a relationship that, uh, that you've felt pretty comfortable harboring resentment or pain and, and just holding on to it. Um, whatever it is, may, maybe, maybe it's you want to give to him an hour of your day or a half hour of your day, some, something in, in terms of spiritual disciplines. I, I don't know what that is. You're not going to turn these into anybody. You can take them with you, put them in your purse, in your wallet, in your Bible, whatever, put them up on the mirror at home. But just a reminder of the present that you give Jesus today on Christmas. You're going to have uh, a number of minutes as, as um, Jamie sings. We're going to end kind of quiet just as a time to celebrate Christmas together and these gifts as she sings a song that helps us think about Mary's perspective of the birth of Jesus at that first Christmas.